reason why the curse of sin is broken. There's a reason why the darkness runs from light. There's a reason why we stand here now forgiven. Jesus is alive. There's a reason why we are not overtaken. There's a reason why we sing all through the night. There's a reason why our hope remains eternal. Jesus is
Amen. Amen, church. He's alive. Amen. Amen. And he's at work this morning. He is able to do far more abundantly than all that we could ask or think. That's who our God is. Take a moment. Welcome those around you. All right, you may return to your seats. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Welcome to Northside Baptist Church. It is good to be back with my church family. Missed you all last Sunday, but I know that you were in good hands with Pastor Gary. So this morning, what we're going to do in, in lieu of a sermon, um, though I'm going to begin with some scripture, uh, we're gonna, you're going to hear from Mark and I about our trip to Ecuador. So you guys have been praying for us. This is uh, now a year and a half of, of vision trips. And so what has the Lord laid upon our heart? heart? What do we see? So we want to share that with you. Um, and I think you'll find that helpful. And um, you're going to see how God worked. And we want to praise the Lord um, together. So that's what we're going to do this morning. Um, just want to welcome you. If this is your first time with us, we're glad to have you. If you would please let us know that this is your first time, you can do that a couple ways. There's a QR code that you can scan in the bulletin, or you can fill out some information um, about yourself and a Connect card out there. Well, today's an exciting time because it is annual church picnic day. Anybody excited about the church picnic? There we go. So here's, here's some instructions for you. If you don't use a phone that has directions, we printed some directions for you. They're out there. You want to grab that on your way out. Um, I'll get there around 1.30. There may be a few people that maybe even get there before me. So the pool, you can swim. There'll be a lifeguard on duty provided by the camp. You're going to be able to swim from 2 to 5. Um, there'll be, there's a lake. There's some boats you can use. There's life jackets. Um, parents, we just ask if you're going to get out there in the lake with your kids, you need to supervise them 
There's not going to be anybody else to do that. So you need to do that. Um, there's a basketball court. You can take board games, card games. There's a big place indoors where we'll eat where you can play that stuff. You may want to bring a bag chair if you're planning on sitting outside. Uh, the worship will be in the chapel, so we'll eat and worship inside. So what do you need to bring? If you didn't sign up, that's okay. There's always plenty of food. Bring a side dish with you, and you can still come. So bring drinks for your family. Bring a bag chair. Um, and bring your appetite. Um, we'll probably eat around 5.15. So if you just want to come for eating, just make sure you're there by 5. You'll be able to eat, and then we'll probably worship around 6.15, 6.30, and we should be done by 7.15, 7.30, and you're home a little after 8. It's about a 40-minute drive from the church. Um, it is a great time. We had a blast last year, and so you want to make sure that you are part of that. Um, even if you're not a member, this is a great way to get to know other people. So if you got the afternoon free, uh, come hang out with us. All right, well, you probably noticed on the front of your bulletin that today is a parent-child dedication. So we have the sellers. So if you all want to come on up, Justin and Kelsey, and then Bennett's coming. We did this for Bennett. Was that last year? Was that no, the year before that? Um, and then, so now we have Miss Charlotte. Ruth. She's already looking at me. So we were here together yesterday for a little party, and I was like, we'll just do a little test run, and I'll hold her and see how it goes. It didn't go well. <laughs> so we're going to try this. Oh, oh, we got puffs. Oh, let me get the puffs. Oh, I got, look, look what I got. I got some puffs. All right, come on. Let's see how this goes. Oh, it's already starting. Starting. Look, 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 look. I got some puffs. Look. Look, oh, you see this? This is exactly what she did. She'll breathe in a moment. There it is. Oh. Okay, you want to take the puffs? Yeah, we just. I'd like to say it's just, look at that. I'd like to say it's just me. We'll try to get a picture with you later. I knew that was going to happen. What are you doing down there, Bennett? All right, so, um, so as a church, we recognize that parents are the primary disciple makers of their children, and that we desire to partner with them in helping them make disciples who make disciples. Um, so they come. I didn't do that. That wasn't me. That wasn't me. Um, he wants to be down. He wants to roam around. So they come as a family to acknowledge and profess their dependence upon the Lord to raise their children. So like I said, we did this for Bennett, so we're going to do this for Charlotte. So let's talk about her name because I always find it fascinating about names and what the names mean. So Charlotte is of French origin, and it means free man. Did you know that? No. Or petite. It means free man or petite. And it's the feminine form of Charles. The feminine form of Charles, which I thought was interesting. Because Charles, there's a lot of Charles in the family. And so some people, a few people call her Charlie Ruth. Um, but you all call her Charlotte, correct? Look, it's just you and Charlotte. Um, and then Ruth is of Hebrew origin, which isn't surprising because it's in the Old Testament. It means companion and friendship. So I thought that was cool. Because you guys are going to be friends forever, right? Just maybe one day we'll be friends. So Ruth has a lot of history with, um, with Kelsey. It's her middle name. There's a long line of women on her mother's side with that name. And so she knew that her firstborn daughter um, had to bear it as well. And so that's where we get Charlotte Ruth. Um, 
So I've got some stuff I was going to read, and you and Justin were going to say we do. He's coming back. He's coming back. There we go. Perfect timing. We'll wait for you to get up here, then you get to say we do. No rush. <laughs> Seriously. No, not going to happen. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. All right, so I've got five questions, I think, that I'm going to ask Justin and Kelsey. You guys are simply just going to respond with we do. And then I have one question um, to the church, and I know we got some family um, back here as well and some friends. So do you commit to remembering your marriage covenant and to making your relationship a reflection of Christ in his church? If so, respond, we do. Do you commit to being disciple makers in your home? Do you commit to raising Charlotte, and of course Bennett as well, in the discipline and instruction of the Lord? With the help God provides, do you commit to teach your children the fullness of God's word and demonstrate through your own example and witness what it means to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself? Do you commit to praying both for Bennett and Charlotte, pleading with the Lord for their salvation? Awesome. So when it comes to raising children, parents have first responsibility. But the parents in this room know we need help, we need prayers, we need support of a community, family, friends, and the church. So I direct my final question to you all. Will you agree to support Justin and Kelsey by being faithful to pray for them? Will you encourage them, love them, and support them through acts of service? Will you help teach Charlotte and Bennett, set a godly example for them, so that they might one day come to trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior? Will you help disciple and train them so that they might live under the supreme rule of the Lord Jesus Christ? If you will commit to do these things, will you please signify that by standing? So see all these people out there? Some that you will let them hold you and some you will not. Right? We are here as an army to come alongside of your family and helping point them to Jesus. So let's pray together. Uh, this morning. Father, we come to you, we intercede on behalf of this sweet family, specifically this morning, on behalf of Miss Charlotte. Father, our prayer is that these, these, these kiddos, but particularly this morning, Miss Charlotte, will just love you, that she will serve you, that she will help Justin and Kelsey to be the parents that will set the right example for their kids, teaching them to love and serve you throughout their life. Lord, we pray this morning, we intercede on behalf of Miss Charlotte that you would protect her, that you would guide her, that you would save her, and that, God, that you would use her, setting her apart to accomplish your will for your glory. Father, we thank you for this sweet family. Um, just bless them. Give them the strength that they need to, God, do what you've called them to do as parents. We ask all this in Jesus' name. All God's people said... Amen. Would you remain standing? Let's continue to worship together.
Thank you, choir. All right, so at this time we have children's church for our youngest ages, so they can make their way out. Our older kiddos, you will remain in here with us today. Everybody else, if you'll take your Bibles and turn to Acts 14. Acts 14. So last Tuesday, um, Mark and I boarded an airplane heading for Ecuador, flew into Quito Tuesday night about 9 o'clock. We stayed the night at a hotel there. Wednesday morning we woke up, we made the six-hour drive over to the Esmeraldas area. This was the first part of our trip. We poured into town about 4 o'clock um, in the afternoon, and Mark is going to tell you uh, about the first part of our trip. So he's going to go into the details of that. Then I will come back up and talk about the last day and a half that we um, were there. So the first full day that we had in, in the city, in the town, was on Thursday. So Thursday morning, I wake up, know it's going to be a long day. I get out my Bible, and I did one of those things that I do not recommend you do. Um, occasionally, maybe, but not how you read your Bible. And you know what it is. You open your Bible, and you start flipping the pages, and you're just praying, God, take me to a verse or a passage that I need for today. And everything in specific in mind, so my eyes are closed, just kind of flipping the pages. I finally stop, just running my fingers through the page. And um, these are the verses that I came to. Acts 14, verse 21. Prior to this, understand that it's talking about Paul um, being dragged out of the city, stoned to the point of death. And then verse 21 says, When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them at every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord and whom they had believed. And so God laid these verses on my heart. And I believe he did that using what we would consider to be random selection. But I believe God divinely led me to those verses. These verses for a season, I don't know how long that season will be, maybe indefinitely, are going to become the verses that, in essence, drive and motivate me as your pastor. Because of what it says. Quickly, let me just point out some words. When they had preached the gospel to that city, preaching in a city where there were probably not many believers, they're doing evangelism. They're preaching the gospel. They're praying that lost people will be saved. And then notice what they do next. And they made many what? Disciples. They don't just say, yes, we've got salvations, now we're out. They begin to stay there. They begin to make disciples. They see these new believers become mature believers. And then they leave, and what do they do? They return to Lystra, to Iconium, to Antioch. They return there, places they'd already been. They begin to go back to check on these people to continue this discipleship. Verse 22, what do they do? Strengthening the souls of the disciples. They're encouraging them to continue in the faith. And what are they saying to them? I don't know how comforting this is, that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Salvation is free, but to follow Christ is costly. It cost Paul nearly his life. And then verse 23, when they had appointed what? Elders 
a plurality of elders, a plurality of pastors, when they begin to plant them in churches, they then knew, okay, now we've got healthy, vibrant churches who can survive and continue to make disciples. And the Lord laid that on my heart Thursday morning, and this is exactly what Mark and I got to see. Some church planning already taking place, some people making disciples, new people coming to salvation. Right? The Lord allowed us to see this. And so we want you to hear what God did in our heart. Now, for me, this was the first time I've been to Ecuador. This was Mark's third time just going to see the mosque. Um, and so Mark has described this before, but until you see it, you don't really get the full picture. But we got a clear picture this week. And so Mark's going to come talk about the first part, and then I'll come and talk about the last part of the week. So come on, brother. did bring some pictures. Sometimes I don't make enough pictures uh, when I go, just as I've been before, but we do have some pictures. So, um, yeah, let's just start with that map of Ecuador. Okay, I can't see it, but y'all can, so that's good. Um, so, yeah, so we've been, we've shown you this before, so uh, we go to see the mosque. And they are in Esmeraldas, which is in the northwest corner of Ecuador. And so, and this time, we had an extra day, and Pastor Aaron's going to tell you about, we got to go to Ambato, which is, well, that's in Ambato. But anyway, it's south of, of Quito um, there, so he can tell you about that. But yeah, we go see the mosques, and uh, they work in Esmeraldas, and we got to, to um, drive around and see where their uh, churches are and their ministry is. And it's about 17 or 18 miles along the coast there. Uh, and they have seven churches. And um, they work among the Afro-Ecuadorian people. And we've talked about them before. Um, it's, a, it's a unique people group, a distinct culture. And really, in Ecuador, they are among the marginalized of the Ecuadorian society. They're not considered um, indigenous. And so uh, when they have benefits and things for the indigenous people, the Afro-Ecuadorians are not considered that. Uh, and so really, they're a very poor community, very poor area. And uh, that's where the, the mosques are serving. So they're considered an unreached people group. And uh, it's, it's, so it's very important um, to, to, when we have the opportunity, to go share the gospel there, because there's not that many people going there. And so we do have that opportunity, and it's exciting to see what God is doing. So, okay, let's uh, do the volcano, because, all right, so this is in Ambato, so this is really Pastor Aaron's part, but I've always, just always been enamored with volcanoes, and so I said I didn't make a lot of pictures. I probably made 10 of this volcano, so you get to see one of them. You know, like when I was a kid and we did the project, you build the volcano with the paper mache and the, what was it? Baking soda and vinegar, you could make it erupt. So that was cool. So anyway, so I've always loved volcanoes. So that's for free, there you go. All right, so um, one of the things we did, we worked with uh, one of the moss partners, his name is John. Uh, John grew up with the moss. And now he's married and living on his own, but he has become a very vital part of their ministry. Uh, he is uh, 
pretty much pastoring two of their churches, and um, he works with the youth there. So there's really nobody there working with students. And so John is doing that. Um, if you guys remember the projector that our VBS kids um, raised money for a couple of years ago, well, John is using that. The, the moths are going to use that for certain things, but John is using that specifically to minister to the youth. And uh, through Bible study, through just getting them together, he's seen, they've seen 10 baptisms of young people in the last, well, really this year. So that's pretty exciting. So John went with us. He serves as an interpreter as well. And so uh, he went with us that first day. And so the next one is, this is kind of where we stayed. We went to a new place, um, basically because it's bigger. And so I wanted to see for our team that's going in January um, what this would be like. And we can walk to Eliden, which is one of the places we worked. And so if we wanted to, we did that one day. We just walked down there. So um, this is just kind of a picture of what it looked like. Uh, it was pretty nice to stay there. The food was okay, and so it was a good place to stay. We, I think that's probably where our team will stay this next time we go. Um, so we went, we walked down and went to Eladin on the first day. We went to two towns, I'll tell you, Eladin and Kabuyal. And so uh, really we went to Eladin to strengthen some relationships that were already there. That is Clarita and Domingo. There's Johnny is talking to them. That's the first time, this is a couple of years ago when this picture was made, uh, first time we ever met them. And so Johnny was kind of giving them a Bible. Domingo doesn't read um, Spanish or anything. And so he was kind of going through Clarita with the Bible there that he was given to her. So anyway, they've been our friends for a couple of years. Very nice, hospitable people. They have a store there. We always go see them. And so... Um, we stopped there in Eladin, and we actually spent a lot of the day with them, just encouraging them a little bit and kind of checking up on a project we did earlier in the year. They took us um, to another part of their land I had not been to. You know, they're on the coast, they're right there by the ocean. But the next picture, this is up on a hill. So you can kind of see Eladin there, but then that's right by the Pacific Ocean. So that's kind of the viewpoint from the rest of their land and they want to um, expand a garden and some other things up there and we were just talking to them about that it, and we like I said they showed us around their property and uh, then they offered us um, some watermelon and stuff and we just sat down and were able to talk to them about their relationship with the Lord and um, I know that Johnny had witnessed to them before, shared the Christ with them before, and we had done that as well. And so we just kind of went through all that. They said that they were believers, and so um, I got to thinking about it, and I said, well, are you involved in church? And they were not. They were not. It's kind of difficult to get from community to community. There's no church there in Eladin. And so just through our conversation, we said, well, how about if y'all had a Bible study here? And they were open to that. And so John was there, and we're, he's going to talk to Johnny and Donna about starting a Bible study there in Eladin. So that's pretty exciting. Um, we were able to give Domingo one of the audio Bibles. Our VBS kids just raised money for these audio Bibles, which if you can't read, it's perfect because um, it just tells the, it just reads the Bible for you. Uh, 
And so Domingo was very happy to get that. And we kind of programmed it where he could start in John 1. He's going to listen to the Gospel of John first. We thought that'd be really good for his discipleship. And so he was really excited about that. And he kind of opened up to us, and we talked to him some. He was having problems um, with his diabetes. Um, so he wasn't feeling well, but he invited us to dinner. So he said, well, you better go check with Clarita. That's okay. And so anyway, through the whole thing, we, we were invited to dinner at there. So that was pretty exciting. And so that's what we did. We spent uh, the evening with them. And just, you know, just great to love on that family. Um, Donna and jo Johnny, John and his wife Gis Giselle also came uh, to dinner there. And so great time just getting them all getting to know each other. That's going to be a great hub for where the Bible study is going to start there in Elodian. So that's pretty exciting. And I asked Donna, had she ever met them before? And she said that she had not. Excuse me. And so that's really the one of the way the Moss use teams, like our team that goes there. You're not really going with a bunch of people to do a VBS or, um, you know, things that you might think a typical mission team might do, but really it's more catalytic. You're there to help the mosque make relationships. You're there to help them open doors to share the gospel. And so really through our friendship uh, with Clarita and Domingo, which we've had since we went uh, two years ago, we were just able to introduce them to the mosque, and who knows what God's going to do with that. So that's, that's pretty cool. And so um, the next place we went to was Kabuyal. I'll tell you a little bit about that. That is Philemon. He is the president of Kabuyal. And I've told you all this before. The president is, you know, this town has like 400 people, so it's not like there was a big election for president. But he's like the mayor. So... Um, but he did tell us there are 110 houses in Kabayal, and there's 450 to 500 people there. So there's no church, there's no, at the time we were there, there's really no gospel witness there in Kabayal. Um, Philemon's wife is a believer, we've met her before. Um, but other than that, uh, before we went, I didn't really know um, any other believers there. So anyway, we talked to him. What we're talking about is uh, on our next trip, what we can do in Cabayal to kind of engage the community and uh, just ways to get to know them better and help them. And they have a school right by the road. It's an old, it's an old building. It used to be a school. And so they want to clean that up. There's, most of their students go to another town down the road. Uh, but here, the four and five-year-olds, uh, the preschoolers, if the school is clean, they would provide a teacher for them. The government would provide a teacher, uh, and they could start teaching their kids. So we talked about that, and so we went down to look at the school and what that looked like. And so I think there's a picture of that. Yeah, so that's part of it. Um, and then the next picture, I think, is that's what one of the classrooms inside looks like. So what we're talking about doing is cleaning that up and painting it. Uh, and before I could say we want to do that with the community, you know, we want to we don't want to just come do it ourselves and then leave. We want y'all to be involved. He said, well, what we could do is get the community together and work with y'all, and we would do most of the work, and you guys provide some of the paint. And it's like, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. And anyway, that's called. I learned a new word. That's called a minga, and and, and everybody knows what that is. There, it's like the community comes together for a work day. It's a 
it's you get something accomplished, but it's you know it's communal, and uh, so that's a good thing, and so that's what we're going to do in January. So we've kind of got that set up. We're going to go take care of that. And while we were there, um, looking at the school, we met a couple of people. Uh, we met this lady named Lucy. She's 78. We met her granddaughter, who's also named Lucy. And uh, so there's a Lucy one, and her granddaughter, I'm going to just say, is Lucy three. Because it turns out her daughter, who is sick and not there, is also named Lucy. So that's Lucy two. <laughs> so through the, the course of that conversation, she wants us to come to her daughter's house and pray for her because she's sick. She actually has having gallbladder problems. So we go and we, and we do that and Johnny is with us. And uh, making sure I get all this right. Yeah, so we talk to her a little bit about her condition, start praying and then I just noticed that Johnny is starting to share the gospel with them while we're there. And then the next thing you know, they're praying, Lucy one is praying to receive Christ and Lucy two also prays to receive Christ. And so we've got two new sisters right there. And uh, we, I had another audio Bible with me, so we gave it to the daughter, Lucy, because she was pretty much laid out on the sofa. She wasn't feeling well. It wasn't like she was gonna be reading. So we kind of started her off with that. And uh, turns out, so I had asked a lot of people I'd ask Deanna's Sunday school class, I'd ask Ron and, and a couple others to pray for specific people while we were going. Philemon was one of them because we'd witnessed to him before. He's not a believer. Um, and I knew we were going to be talking to him. Well, it turns out that Lucy is Philemon's mother. And so Lucy, the other Lucy, is Philemon's sister. So that's pretty cool. Um, we didn't even know we needed to be praying for them, but they got, they got saved. So that's pretty cool. So that's kind of how our trip went. We had a plan. Uh, we were going to make plans for January and strengthen relationships. Uh, we had appointments with the president of Kabyal and appointments with the president of Eladin, but God had divine appointments for us, uh, for other people we were supposed to meet. And so that was pretty exciting. Um, so the next day, um, the grandmother, Lucy, wanted an audio Bible as well, and I did not have another one with me um, that first day, so we brought her one the second day. And that's where, well, I think we missed her house, but anyway, um, her house was that green house um, that was probably before that. So, yeah, so house on the left is Lucy One's house, and, and my wife, Deanna, said that the house on the right must be Roberto the Sixth house. Anyway, <laughs> so I thought that was pretty good. So anyway, um, so we brought her the audio Bible, and so Johnny and John were with us that day. And they just started talking to her, and you could tell it was kind of the beginning of that discipleship, just like what Pastor Aaron just talked about. You know, they're just talking about some things, and all of a sudden, Johnny just starts kind of singing this song, and then John starts singing with him. So they sing this song, and it, you know, they sing all the verses, Curtis. So they, I think they sang them all. <laughs> And, uh, but it was just this sweet spiritual moment. And I just thought of that verse in Ephesians that says we taught each other with songs and spiritual songs and hymns. And for me, that was just one of the highlights of the trip. It was a beautiful, sweet, spiritual moment we had there. Uh, 
And through that process, after they, they did that, she just said, well, why don't y'all use my house uh, for a Bible study on a regular basis? So God opened that door for a Bible study. So they're going to figure out how to, what day that's going to work and all that stuff, but they're going to get a Bible study started in a couple of y'all. So we go back to Philemon's house just to kind of wrap it up and uh, finalize what we saw about the school and kind of what we want to do in January. And my goal this whole time had been to share the gospel with him, and we had not had that opportunity. And so um, I sat, we sat down with him, and I said, you know, we're doing this with your school. We don't come down here just to do social work. We're not doing this just to, um, you know, fix up your community and leave. There's a reason we're doing this. Because of the love of Jesus, and we just and I just talked to him a little bit about that, and then Pastor Aaron was able to share the uh, his testimony with Philemon and share the gospel with him. Um, so Philemon had a lot of questions, but in the end, excuse me, um, Philemon said that he understood um, the gospel. He understood what we were saying, but he just wasn't ready to accept it, and so. Intellectually, he knew everything it's been explained to him. Intellectually, he knows it, but in his heart, he's not repented and believed in the gospel. And so we need to keep praying for Philemon. His, many members of his family now are believers. There will be a Bible study and a gospel witness in Kabuyal. So we need to keep praying for Philemon. And I was thinking about it. You know, there's a lot of people, and maybe that's, maybe that's some of you here, that intellectually you get it, you understand what the Bible says. Intellectually, you may have gone to church your whole life, but until you repent and believe in the gospel and only trust in Jesus, uh, will you truly be saved? And so um, if you've, you know, if in your heart you've never done that, today would be a great day to do that. Um, so just to kind of wrap it up before Pastor Aaron comes up, you know, we visited and encouraged believers. We did that. That was our goal. We strengthened and deepened friendships that had already begun. We got a plan for the January team, and then God did this. He, we saw four people pray for salvation. We saw two communities opened up for regular Bible study. And so that's pretty exciting just from a couple of days uh, in, in Ecuador. So one way we can uh, partner with Johnny is through prayer. So you can become his friend on Facebook, Johnny Moss. You can look him up. He may ask you, how do I know you, or whatever, and just say, Northside Baptist Church, Pastor Aaron or Mark. Um, but he shares prayer requests regularly, so you can be engaged with what's going on down there. So, so the, the last thing I have before Pastor Aaron comes up is a little short video. Aaron got to preach in Mbato through an interpreter, and I thought this was uh, pretty cool. And so I'll let that run and then let Aaron come up. As we read these verses today, I want us to see that our God is able. Not by much. The, the guy interpreting said the previous week he had preached for an hour. I was like, well, if I preach just straight, it'll be 20 minutes. With an interpreter, it's about 30 minutes. So, um, so I was supposed to go in January, and I got COVID. And you know, people say, man, God's timing is always best. There's a reason. The moment, I didn't know what the reason was. Ryan ended up getting COVID right after me. Just couldn't go. You were required to test negative to come back in the country. 
and I was still testing positive, so I couldn't even leave. And having been on this trip, I now know why I got COVID and couldn't go in January. Because had I gone in January, Mark and I would not have been able to go back this trip. The next trip would have been in January. That would have been, it was already planned. And so by not going this time, there's four people that would not have prayed to receive Christ through the gospel being shared with them. Some of these relationships that were strengthened would not have happened. But then the other major part is what we got to do on the tail end of this trip. So Saturday morning, we left um, Esmeraldas and drove five hours south of Quito to meet up with another missionary and then another two hours um, in the vehicle. So we were about three hours from the Quito airport. And we met up with a missionary family called the Yanceys. And I think we got a picture of them. So this is Chris and, and Madeline. Uh, then we have Gloria and Levi and Madeline is pregnant. Seven months pregnant, I believe, somewhere around there. So they're expecting their third. They have been in Ecuador for three years. They will be here um, for several weeks kind of on furlough to come back home one more time before she goes back to Quito and has the baby. So they will be here the last Sunday in August. He allowed me to preach in his church, so I'm going to allow him to come, give him the opportunity to preach here, and also share about their ministry. So I just want to give you some quick highlights of what they do, what we were able to see, um, and then you'll hear a lot more about that when he comes. So they've been there three years um, in, in the area where they are, Mbato, and then there's a Patati, a smaller um, city. And, and so, but to kind of understand why they got there, I need to show you another missionary um, couple. So we got one more picture. So this is Steve and Carol Thompson's. Thompson, they know the most. Um, they used to work in the same area. The Thompsons went to Ecuador in 1987. In the mid-90s, at that time it was the Foreign Mission Board, it's now International Mission Board, began to refocus their efforts, and they began to pull out their IMB missionaries and send them to the 1040 window. So the Thompsons, having been sent through the IMB, had a decision to make. Do we move to a different country, learn a whole new language and a new culture, or do we stay in Ecuador? And they prayed and they sought the Lord, and they believed the Lord leading them to stay in Ecuador because that's where the Lord took them. But to stay in Ecuador meant they had to resign from the International Mission Board, which when you're a missionary through the IMB, our cooperative program dollars supports them, and they now became self-fundraising missionaries. But they made that step of faith because that's where the Lord led them to stay. And so they have been in this area since the late 80s. But in the late 90s, Steve and Carol Thompson purchased a large area of land. Not like right next to that volcano, but you can certainly see the volcano from where they are. So the first part of our trip, we were sea level. Like we're, there's the ocean, the Pacific Ocean. The last day and a half, we're nearly 10,000 feet above sea level. An entirely different part of Ecuador, an entire different culture. It's like we were almost in a different country, very different people. And so we got to spend some time with them. So if you want to put up the other missionary family again, the, the Yanceys, this is the family um, that we will primarily be praying for. The Thompsons um, are in their 70s. I don't know how much longer they'll go, but the plan is when they leave to transfer it over um, to the Yancey. So a couple things um, that they do here. So it's called PESCA, 
P-E-S-E-A. It means a project of evangelism and social work covering the Amazon region. So one major ministry that they have there is called Camp Chikalka. Camp Chikalka. So what we got to do is we got to tour. That's where they live. They live right there on the property. We got to tour uh, Camp Chikalka. And it was, I was blown away from the dorms to the eating hall, to the worship area. I mean, right here in, in Ecuador, incredible facility. And so throughout the summer, they will have 250, 300 kids come for kids camp. That's what they do. Uh, they have a seminary, really nice seminary. They're finishing up the, the, the chapel area on the third level, but they are training pastors um, it's a Baptist seminary affiliated with Southwestern. They're training pastors um, there. They have conferences throughout the year. Uh, churches can come. They have women's events, men's events. They are discipling. They are pouring into the nationals of Ecuador to see them come to faith in Christ. They also have another camp that we did not visit that is three hours from Camp, camp Chicalca in the midst of the jungle. So Madeline told us at Camp Chikalka, though they have insects, those insects are not poisonous and will not kill you. But when you go to the jungle, that's a whole different story. So Mark and I, we didn't really pray about it, but we're like, yeah, we're just not jungle people. So we probably got some jungle people here. We're not jungle people. So they have two camps. So this is a primary, they staff, and, and this is what they do. But in addition to that, um, they do work out in the villages, church planting. So again, you have to understand, very different than where we were in Eladin and, and Cabayal. There, there are seven churches that Johnny and John are having to lead because you have very young believers, very few believers. Now when you get into where we were, Patati, you have 17 or 18 Baptist churches in an association, most of them healthy churches with the pastor leading them. So there's more believers in that, that area. So what they're looking for is there are several villages in the area that do not have churches. And what we have found is people will not go from one village to another village to go to church. In America, you'll drive 20, 30 minutes, maybe go to a different city, not there. Two-minute walk, it doesn't matter. If it's not their village, they're not going to go to church. And so each village needs a church. It needs a gospel presence. So there are many villages that do not. And so because their ministry is more established, where the mosque, it's an unreached people with very little gospel presence, they're looking for people to come in. You stay six or seven days. You go into a village. You do a vacation Bible school. And he said, man, they're so open. They will actually let you do VBS during the school day. Like not after, like right there. They'll, take, they'll stop teaching for two hours and let you just do it. A medical clinic. Anyway, they're receptive. They use that as an open door. That's the social work part. An open door so that then the growing churches, the healthy churches, can partner with a new church and help that church become a growing, vibrant church church. And so on Sunday morning, I got to preach at, in the English translation, Eternal Word Baptist Church. Um, and so that was incredible just to be able to see people a long, long way from what I call home, just love Jesus, worshiping, singing um, to Jesus. And so here's how, here's how I want to kind of wrap this up. And again, that was the brief overview because he'll be here. He'll share more if you have questions. Um, you can ask him. But the Lord has led us to two different places in Ecuador. Two very different places. 
I'll be honest. Esmeralda's area, I probably wouldn't send Landon there. I mean, it's six hours from the airport. It, it's tough. That is going to be a lot of just door-to-door, trying to build relationships. It's hard because they're unreached, and it's hard to reach them, but it's absolutely necessary that the gospel goes there. The other, the other trip up in the mountains of Ecuador, that could be where you send students. Like that's where you can go and, and you can see a different part of the world and you can share the gospel and there's translators, but both of them are important. So here's what I think happens sometimes when it comes to mission trips, international mission trips, leaving America, right? You have some people who say, hey, look, the gospel is needed here. Why do we have to go to other countries to share the gospel? I got a neighbor that's lost. I mean, just look at America. Look at all this going on, right? The flooding in Kentucky. All, like, there are needs here. Why are we going internationally when there's a need here? And then you have the other extreme, which is some people will sign up for an international mission trip, and that's the only time they will ever share the gospel. It's like, let me go there. I'll check it off. I did it. And then when they come back, they never, they're never serving. They're never telling other people about Jesus. Here's what I believe. I believe both of those perspectives are wrong. Number one, because Jesus told us to go to the ends of the earth. The ends of the earth is not America's borders. The ends of the earth is the ends of the earth. Um, and the second reason we go is because the need is great. You and I live in America, and I'm going to share more what I learned personally tonight at the picnic during, as we look at some more scripture. But, but we live in a country where if you want a church, if you want access to the gospel, you will find it. And Esmeraldas, Eladin, Kabayal, man, there is no access to the gospel. There's just not. They're not learning about Jesus. And then when you go to the other area, Patati, that area, that is a strongly Roman Catholic area. Now, all the country would say it's Catholic, but the first part we were, they weren't practicing. They may say they're Catholic, but they don't go to Mass, they don't go to church. But when we got into the mountains, they are Roman Catholic to the core. So much so that Steve told us a couple stories of persecution he has experienced at the hands of Roman Catholic priests and Roman Catholics. Not unbelievable, I mean, not like... Wretch lost people, religious people, persecuting Christians and the Baptist church there. So no matter where you are, both need the gospel. And Mark said something that is so true. Sometimes an international mission trip is the very catalyst that transforms us as churchgoers. Because we're not sharing the gospel here. We're not doing evangelism here, but we sign up to go on a mission trip, and there we get a vision. The Spirit of God gets a hold of us. We're changed, and we come back and do what we should have been doing here all along, which is telling people about Jesus Christ. So going forward, there's going to be opportunities for service. So hear my heart as your pastor. I came three months before covid an interesting time to start leading a church. But it's been an amazing, amazing time, and you guys are incredible. But in those two and a half years now, we've done very little missions. 
Right before I came, right, we went to Bridging the Gap. We had we'd done a few things, and then COVID hit, and we just kind of shut down. And so what we're going to do over the next nine months or so, we've already got one vision trip, another, not a vision trip, but a mission trip planned in January, working with a couple other churches in the association. Some of you have expressed interest in going. Is We're going to take a step back, and we're just going to big picture God, where are you leading us at Northside to get involved? Locally, because absolutely there are needs here. So where do we need to focus? What partnerships have we done before, like Kentucky? Can we resume those? Is there still a partnership there? And man, if you guys, Kentucky's home. I don't really have much to do with Eastern Kentucky. I'm more Central Kentucky. But man, that state has been devastated, especially Eastern Kentucky with these floods. If you've seen pictures, like, is God leading us back to Kentucky? We know Ecuador. Are there other international opportunities beyond that? We're a giving church. Keep giving. Keep praying. But then my prayer is that we'll be ascending church. I had lunch Friday with another guy that's doing mission work and he said he's new to the area he's visited over 100 churches already he said what i'm finding is that most churches aren't doing mission trips anymore churches are sending few and few people out to do mission and he said it is refreshing to be able to sit down with some guys who have a heart for missions and who want their church to be not just a giving church but a going sending church but here's my other prayer. Young students, hear my heart. Man, I'm praying more than ever that some of you, God will raise up. And one day we'll have a commission service and we'll send you to Japan or to Ecuador or somewhere where there is no access to the gospel. And maybe the only way they're going to hear is because somebody from Northside Baptist Church is willing to go tell them that Jesus Christ is the only way for them to be saved. So God has just done a work in my heart through this trip, and I'll share more about that personally. Um, in just a moment, we're going to sing. Again, there's no sermon today, no preaching today, but maybe the Lord has laid upon your heart something related to missions or evangelism or the gospel, or maybe like Mark said, intellectually, you know the answers, but personally, you have never repented, you have never believed in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that opportunity is available for you today. You can come to personally put your trust in Jesus. Like we got to see four people, Lucy one, the other Lucy, Guadalupe, Marie, was that the other young lady, Maria? The other four females just put their life and their hands in, in the hands of Jesus Christ and to be saved. And if you've never done that, you can do that. And let me just say one more thing. I got to spend about six days with my brother Mark. I saw his heart. And his passion for missions, for evangelism. And I hope you understand how blessed we are to have Mark a part of Northside. He has done a lot of work over the last year and a half through the Georgia Baptist voluntarily trying to partner other churches together. And we've got a strong network now of churches who have already been to this area or are interested in this area. And so hear me, God is using Coweta County and Eladin and Kabayal and some other villages where some churches are going. And man, I believe going forward, a place that has been unreached will be reached. And one day, when you and I are in the eternal heavens, the new heavens and the new earth, we're going to be worshiping alongside of men and women 
who heard the gospel because a group of believers in Coweta County took the gospel to them. And that's going to be a glorious day when we get to see that. So would you close your eyes and bow your head? We're going to sing a praise song together um, in just a moment, but let me pray for us. Father God, we praise you. We thank you for the work that you have done, the work that you are doing, the work that you did last week in Ecuador, the work that you did here in the United States of America. Maybe the opportunity that people had to share the gospel in the last week and a half. Lord, the need is great. The need is great right here in our own county. More and more people are identifying as non-religious or unbelievers, no longer saying they have faith in a God. We have more and more people who are becoming nominal Christians, just not serving, not loving, not following Jesus. Lord, the need is great here. And you have placed Northside here strategically for many years. And she has been faithful. And I pray she will continue to be faithful as we move in to this next season of, of what it looks like to live in America as a believer. With, with so many things going on around us, Lord, help us to stand firm, to stand fast as Christians. But God, help us to also realize the need is great to the ends of the earth. And you have blessed us. You have blessed us first and foremost, God, as a country with finances. Access to things that people in Ecuador simply just have never known and never experienced. So Lord, may those things not be a distraction for us, but may they be a catalyst that helps us to be able to give and to go and to share the gospel. Father, I pray right now specifically, maybe there's a young student middle school, high school, college student, maybe a young married couple. And God, lately they've been wrestling with some stuff. Specifically, God, maybe a call into ministry or a call to missions. And God, I just pray that you would reinforce that call, make it abundantly clear to them. And Lord, that they would surrender and they would say, yes, we're willing to go. We're willing to go wherever the Lord leads us because we need to tell people about Jesus. And then God, do that work in us that we would be willing to go across the street to tell our neighbor, our friend, our family member about Jesus. Fathers, we just sing this song, be glorified, be lifted up. We celebrate all that you have done. We ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand?
seated for just a moment. Just a couple quick announcements. Upward evaluations are on Saturday. We're nearly maxed out. Do we have any spots available? Three in the older group. Everything else is maxed out. So we'll have a lot of kids, a lot of families um, on our campus this fall. So evaluations are the next two Saturdays. We need help with that. So if you can let Chris know, hey, I can be here at this time to help with the evaluations. Also, you'll notice that deacon elections will take place the next two Sundays. Um, if you were eligible and your name was left off, will you please see me? There's a couple people I didn't hear back from. Um, and so if, if you just forgot about it, forgot to text me, and you said, hey, I'm, I'm eligible, I'm willing, please let me know so we can add um, your name to that. Um, if you will, in just a moment, Trips the Deacon of the Week, he's going to come in just a minute. He's going to pray. When we're done praying, um, if you guys would just kind of maybe make your way outside so we can lock up in here just because we got to kind of quickly get to where we need to be. Um, you can talk outside as long as you would want, but you can also just come to the picnic and talk all afternoon as well. So please come to the picnic. Uh, let me do one more thing. So over the last month, month and a half, um, we have been collecting gift cards 
to give to the Isaacs. So Gary, you want to come up here? No, you don't want to. Ruth, you, Ruth, you can come too, or you can just send Gary, whatever you want to do. One of you just has to come get this. So these are gift cards that the church has been raising just as a way, kind of a pounding is what they say, just to say we love you guys and we're glad to have you and help out with any home things or go out to eat. And it's really hard when you try to do this in secret. Some of you are like, what? I didn't know about this because we can't make the announcement on a Sunday morning or they know. So if you're just now hearing about this and you're like, well, I wasn't able to give, just pick something up and hand it to the Isaacs and I know they'll appreciate it. And we love you guys and we're thankful that you're here with us. Will you express your appreciation to them? They'll be there this afternoon. So if you haven't had a chance to really talk to them yet, it's kind of hard on Sunday mornings. Just spend some time with them visiting. So don't forget, if you're going to swim from 2 to 5, there's all kinds of other stuff to do. Please come join us. It'll be a lot of fun, good food, great food, great time of worship. So please come hang out. All right, if you'll stand, Trip is a deacon of the week. He will close us in a word of prayer. Let us pray. Lord, we just praise you for the, the word we got of the four sisters in Ecuador that have now come to know you. Thank you for the work you're doing there. Thank you for the work you're doing here around us in our community. We ask that you lay on our hearts a passion for sharing the gospel, whether it's with our neighbor or to the ends of the earth as we just talked about. Lord, we just ask that you watch over and protect us and keep us safe. In your name, amen. <laughs>